Happy Halloween, trick-or-treaters, dreamers, campers, suspects, and deadites. What you're about to hear is a clip from our latest installment of The Rental. It's a big old deep dive into Gary Sherman's 1981 supernatural slasher, Dead and Buried. How do you hear the full thing? Become a member of our Patreon, The Rewind. You can find a link in the description of this episode, or you can visit www.patreon.com slash Pod. Hope to see you there, so we can give you one more scare. Directed by Gary Sherman, who we'll discuss. Screenplay by Ronald Shusett and Dan O'Bannon, kind of. Uh, we'll also get into that. It was uh, released May 29th, 1981. Uh, production lasted from February 12th, 1980 to April 14th, 1980, with filming primarily in Mendocino. Is it Mendocino or Mendocino, California? I, I, would, assume, I would say Mendocino. Yeah, Mendocino, Mendocino, I think. Okay. Mendocino, California, and some filming in Los Angeles. 76, 76% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So I guess when Gary Sherman uh, finished, you know, got it released in theaters, he looked up Rotten Tomatoes, and he was like, holy shit, we got a 76. Um, it Roger, made ne- or, uh, Gene Siskel's <laughs> review was oh, not part of that. No, no not pan- at all. He, he panned it. Uh, but they were big fans of horror, so you know it really worked out for him. But uh, no, I'm just trying. Uh, this movie made next to nothing at the box office, only like $216,000. Um, so that's an ouch. But it was nominated for two Saturn Awards in 1982. It uh, was nominated for Best Horror Film and Best Makeup by Stan Winston, who will certainly discuss uh, a little later. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, I want to set the scene, as I always do, with these uh, relics. <laughs> and discuss the horror of 1981, and, and it's pretty wild because uh, the horror uh, around. But by the time you're at, you know, in May of 1981, it's coming off of arguably one of the best years of pop culture, which is like to me 1980. 1980 is just pinnacle for me of everything. I just I think it's the the crossroads is just what I love about the 70s and what I also love about the. It really the sets a tone for the decade. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like when you go back to 80. I think we talked a little bit about this with maybe the changeling. I can't remember which movie. Maybe it was the fog commentary. I can't remember when we went over it, but um, an incredible rundown where you just get some of the most inventive blockbusters. Um, but all of the blockbusters still feel indebted to the sort of cutthroat filmmaking of the seventies, which I love, but here's the 1981. We got to talk about 81 The year kicks off with Cronenberg scanners, Fulci's Zombie 2, not Wes Craven's Scream, Jeffrey Bloom's Blood Beach. And then from there, we get a string of messy slashers, the uh, likes of which we've actually talked about on this podcast. Uh, My Bloody Valentine, Maniac, The Fun House, and uh, Eyes of a Stranger. But then you also get a little bit of supernatural horror, like The Howling, Omen 3, Oliver Stone's The Hand. I've never seen The Hand. Had anyone seen The Hand before? I was kind of surprised by that. Oliver Stone, like a horror, he did a horror yeah. movie. Yeah. I d- never heard of this movie with Michael Caine of all. Oh, people. really? Oh man, I gotta go check this out. Is it? Is it like an actual? I've never seen it. Like it's just it's been sitting in that short list you know, of movies that I should check out by now. I've heard it's not that great. I think uh, that's why I never like uh, really pushed to get through to it. I feel like he finally found his own with like Salvador or something like that. Or, or no, no, he did Scarface before that. Yes, what are we talking did. about? Well, it's the yeah. same as with uh, what's the Michael Mann uh, horror movie? Um, the Keep. The, the Keep, Keep, right? Because yeah. anytime you hear about it, it sounds awesome. But anyone I talk to is like, eh, don't worry about it. It's pretty <laughs> Just, cool. I like it. The cool? Keep. I think if you like Michael Mann and if you like aesthetics and ambiance, yeah. then The Keep <laughs> is worth a watch. I do wonder if we'll ever, ever get the director's cut that was supposed to be out there. It, like, we will. We will. I've learned that everything will come 
yeah. uh, to pass uh, when it comes to like missing cuts and stuff like that. I, I the only one I think we'll never see at this point is the Lon Chaney one. What is it? Midnight, London after midnight. Okay, which is long gone. That's like just destroyed at this point. The one I'm waiting on is the three hour cut of all the pretty horses that's supposed to be closer to Cormac McCarthy's book. But uh, Daniel Lenoy, the who did the original score for it, he won't release it because it it broke his heart too much to see the movie butchered like that. So oh, I don't wow. know. We talked that's the about one that I want. on another episode. I can't remember which one. I would love that's that. I just reread all of Cormac McCarthy's stuff. I would love that. The, the movie's fine as it is, but I, I think like the three-hour true-to-the-book cut would be excellent. Anyway, but that, well, hey, that, that's not a horror movie. I mean, it kind of is. Well, but, uh, here's a horror movie, that I, a pantheon of horror that I'd want. I, I'm just waiting and, and losing sleep over us finally getting Wes Craven's Cursed. Uh, but um, I'm just joking. I <laughs> could care well, hey, less if, if we ever if get shout- it. If Shout Factory didn't get it to us on this one, it's going to be a long time coming, I think, before. Yeah. That was uh, people shout, trying shout. to say curse is actually good. No, I I, no offense to any of you listeners. Give me a break, though. Yeah, that movie <laughs> sucks. sucks. But, you, know, somebody, um, you, you just willed it into existence. Some ding dong's going to pay us 50 bucks to do curse now. Yeah, well, well that, that, that should have happened last year, folks. So uh, the, the doors uh, closed. But, you know, you know Mike, speaking of other horror, I did want to bring up like, here's what was playing two of the horror movies that were playing up against Dead and Buried in Chicago on May 29th. Because May, well, I was going to get to May. Because here, are, read yours. Because I want to see if the only, the, ones the only I have. two that were playing in Chicago that weekend that were real, like I would, you know, horror, uh, the burning yeah. and happy birthday to me. Well, there's another one. There's another one from that month that came out the same month as Dead and Buried, an episode that we talked religiously about on this epi- on this very podcast and uh, your first season, uh, your full, first full season. Uh, oh, if it's 1981, then it's got to be Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Indeed it is. So that is what was all out in May was Friday the 13th Part 2, burning graduation day and happy birthday to me. So you could really tell that audiences were ready for kind of grisly, unforgiving cuts of horror. And as I said before, the ones that kind of still feel like they're indebted to the, the 70s. They don't, I, I, don't, I, feel, I still feel like in 1981, they don't have the 80s chic. Uh, 1983. Like, it's always three years into the decade. But yeah. it's weird. There's always outliers. Like I, I always talk about, this isn't this is not a horror movie necessarily, but American Gigolo comes out in January of 1980, right? And mm-hmm. if you watch that movie, that movie is the 80s. What you think about it from the aesthetics to its its style, and it's almost kind of what do I want to say? It predicts what the 80s will become. Yeah, and it's weird because that comes out in January of 80, which means they're shooting that like 78, in 79. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. I love that but movie. But most times, like you said, those movies in those first couple years of a decade feel more indebted to the previous decade. Yeah, they're, they're, I feel like 1990 had a couple of them that were like that, too, where you look at that and you're like, yeah, this kind of feels a little bit more of what we're going to get in the 90s. Like, I would argue Misery isn't an 80s movie. Like, that is a 90s blockbuster thriller. And I think, yeah, when it's funny because I was when recommending. Does it come, did that come out in 89? It was 90, 1990 it came out. Oh. Yeah, it was like, I think it was like November or December yeah, 1990. Yeah, the, the music no longer feels chintzy. The cinematography is a lot deeper. There, yeah. There's some, I don't know, I love the aesthetic of 90s thrillers. Like, yeah. I, it was funny, my uh, uh, brother and sister-in-law last night texted me. They're like, oh, we want to watch some, like a suspenseful movie. Not horror, but suspense. What do you recommend? And I recommend all these movies. But I'm like, wait, I'm like just giving them like and you told, early to well, Actually, you know, thrillers. if it's a suspense movie, it's probably a horror movie. I mean, all, <laughs> you know, not yeah. all horror fits a certain aesthetic. No, but it's but it's funny though when I think of like I don't know the Crying Game, Silence of the Lambs, Misery, like they all have this kind of 
sort of indefinable quality about them. Like the even even Basic Instinct and Fatal Attraction, like the kind of '90s thriller vibes. They seem grounded in a way that yes. 90s movies just defined what grounded means for me like in a way that's almost feels like it's built on the 70s like it's like it's like i feel like a lot of filmmakers of the 90s like came back came out of like loving movies from the 70s you know like obviously tarantino um uh, what am i doing this is we can't go down this tangent um because we're, we gotta talk about <laughs> we gotta talk about 1981 hey, remember when you said this buried. was gonna be I know, a short one bullshit it famous bullshit. last words well, in the halloween universe it's time to hit the pedal of the metal. So let's let's talk about Dead and Buried. How would you classify this movie? Because it's